there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And last week, we had our big return for season five, 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 five. Five. And we covered a very iconic film character that is Indiana Jones. Indeed. But this week, guys, we're covering yet another iconic film character. An iconic movie, too. Oh, yes. Scotty is finally opened my eyes i've seen the light you guys Indeed, i have finally seen the batman movie the batman well, movie well not, not the, the batman because that's rob pattinson scratch that i have seen batman yes. the original the og released in 1989 yes referred to as batman 89 this is the 85th year that the character of Batman has been in existence. It was created in 1939 by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, even though he's the writer for Batman, but he hasn't been credited on anything Batman till like recently, I want to say. Yeah. In was, like 2010s or something. Yeah, there was a lot of comic book characters that got credited to like one person when it should have been multiple people. But yes, Bill Finger was a very important person to the Batman lore and Batman himself. So, Scotty, as our, I mean, we're both nerds, but as our resident superhero nerd, I yes. would say, why don't you explain to me and the peoples why this particular Batman movie, and there has been many Batman live-action movies, why this particular one is so pivotal to watch? Well, Batman 89 feels like the perfect balance of what a Batman who's just becoming Batman should be. Like, all the live-action ones have great things about Batman. Pattinson's interesting with, like, him being more of a detective. Dark Knight, of course, is great. But there's something about just the way Michael Keaton plays it. You feel like there's an actual separation between Batman and Bruce Wayne. And I feel like that's always been a problem with the character. Like, once Michael Keaton's in the Batsuit, he's a different person than the Bruce Wayne we see flirting with Vicky Vale. Yeah, I would say that's true. I, I gotta say, as much as I've been talked up on Michael Keaton's performance as Batman over the years, finally seeing it, like, I, I bought into it, man. I was, like, totally into it, even more so than I thought I would be. Uh, the movie as a whole, I would say, has some problems, but overall, I really enjoyed the experience of just watching Michael Keaton. I felt like a lot of times I was like itching for him to come back on screen. Well, I think the thing is about this movie is Michael Keaton's not a star when this movie comes out. He's done Mr. Mom and... Things like that. Like, he's a comedian, but, like... Yeah, I mean, this was the year after Beetlejuice, which it's it's also Tim Burton, by the way. But, yeah, it's very... It's early in his career. He's not the Michael Keaton we know now. And I think they were a little wary about him not actually being right for the role. Well, we're, we're going to talk about that in Cast Could Have Been. There's a lot of Cast Could Have Been lore coming along with this movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, he killed it. And it makes me... For all the people that when they saw the Flash movie that came out just this past year, 
uh, that said Michael Keaton was wasted. Yeah, he was pretty fucking wasted in that movie, man. Like, it's just for that to be his comeback to Batman, it's kind of depressing. It is. I think, again, The Flash is a whole nother. Well, yeah, I mean, for a million reasons, it's a whole other can of worms. But I do believe if Flash had done better, I think rumors are true that it would have been a backdoor pilot. Sure, to... for Batman Beyond. Exactly. And we've been calling for that for years for Keaton to do the old man Bruce role. That would be great. They could still do it, right? <sighs> James Gunn. You could still do it, right? I don't know. <laughs> Please? <laughs> I don't know what James Gunn's plans are. I don't know either, but that would be pretty dope. It's almost like he's got to basically start over, and that's the scary part because yeah. people are so tired, I think, of, of just rebooting everything. Probably because I, I feel like with, with Batman particularly, obviously there's been a lot of people playing the character, but... After Batman and Robin, which was like, what, like 97, which we also reviewed on this show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So fun. But after that, they didn't bring back Batman until the Nolan movies. And that was like at least like a decade later. Yeah. So it would have been nice. I mean, you can say that for pretty much everything now. You can say that probably for like the MCU. You can say that for the DCU. You can say that for pretty much any major property. If you just take a break for a little while and let people miss it, it might build up more desire for it and people will be more excited to talk about it. Well, yeah, but I think we are, at least for right now, we are long past letting things breathe. At least for superhero stuff. Yeah, well, now we're going to possibly have two Batmans roaming around because we're going to have Pattinson and then Gunn might have his own version of Batman. It's, it's you know. It, it's a very messy situation. DC is particularly messy, let's be real. <laughs> well, DC is particularly messy, but DC's messy. Marvel seems to be a little bit in like, we don't know what we really want to do with Marvel right DC, now. Marvel, I think, is just hit or miss. I don't know. I don't know where they're at with Marvel right now. I I struggle with it all the time because I'm like, you know, most of these movies that have come out recently are either eh or not good. And then you have the shows that for the most part are doing pretty good. Loki was great. WandaVision was great. Moon Knight was great. There is something good there. But then in the other side of the coin, it's like, well, they're starting over a whole new saga. And in the first phase of the infinity saga was pretty much like this outside of iron man all the movies were like eh or not good oh yeah because now we get the rumors that they're going to talk about bringing everybody back i'm like I don't know. everybody back where oh everybody back in marvel yeah like what everybody there's rumors going around that everybody's no, coming tony's back. not coming back tony's dead okay if you if they brought tony back i might eat my words but if they brought tony back that would just undercut everything that he did I I hope they don't. But like again, all all superheroes in general right now just kind of seem like we don't quite have our footing right now. Yeah, and that's why we look back at these things like eighty nine Batman, and this wasn't supposed to be like a thing that continued. This was a movie, right? If you finish this movie, you're done. Yeah, you don't need a sequel necessarily. And it's just with all uh, honesty and transparency. While Scott slumbered peacefully beside me in our marital bed, I went on my phone, pulled up HBO Max, and watched Batman Returns as well. So, sorry, Scott. (laughs) You you don't get to show me Batman Returns on this show, unless we do it just for no reason. But, yeah, 
Sorry. It's okay. It's fine. I didn't like it as much as this one, though. No, it's it's a very different movie. It's, like, too silly, and there's too many villains. I'm yeah. like, why can't we just do... Like, it was so simple, this movie, which is weird to say, because it's not only a Tim Burton movie, but it's Jack Nicholson as the Joker, and yet it was still so simple. Just Batman... And big bad villain. And that's all you needed. Well, if you just had Catwoman and like, then you throw in Shrek. We're talking about Batman Returns, yes. obviously. If you th- have Christopher Walken g- guy with the creepy fucking silver hair as like your corrupt business guy, right? And he's the villain, even though he's not a super villain or anything. And then you have Catwoman in there as kind of the wild card, and she's making out with Bruce Wayne. That was cool. Like, I was like, okay, this could work. But then you throw fucking Penguin in there, and it's like, are we supposed to take this guy seriously? I mean, I love you, Danny DeVito, but no. Get out. Well, that's the thing about... Get out. That's also the thing about superheroes, especially early on in, like, the 80s, 90s. They were all still very cartoony. Well, that's the problem. I mean, we talked about this when we talked about Superman, how like it's it's very difficult to make a dark version of Superman because Superman is just in its inception and in its character so campy and like cheesy, you know? Well, yeah, he's the positivity. But even with Batman, Batman 89... It, it does have cheesy shit in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Of course, right? You got fucking Jack Nicholson running around. and the, It's fucking insane. We're going to talk about it. But there's enough dark shit in there to balance it. That's why Tim Burton was probably the perfect person to direct this movie. And even with Batman Returns, there's still that balance. It's just a oh, little yeah. more tipped to silly well, yeah, dumb it, and it, it's like okay i can't i don't like i don't like this as much no and i feel like they wanted to up the ante with batman returns yeah but also the problem with batman returns is like there were times in this movie where i was like where's bruce wayne can we get bruce wayne back where's batman and in batman returns it felt like they spent a million years with just like Penguin talking to Christopher Walken or Catwoman talking to her cats. And I'm like, can we get to the fuck? Can we get to the point? I miss Bruce. I think Michael Keaton has proven now over the years that you can trust him in anything you throw him in. Yeah. But I think, again, it's taken time for them to be like, oh, yeah, we're okay with the guy who was Mr. Mom. I love how you keep throwing in Mr. Mom. Like, that was so horrible. No, I'm not saying it was, but it's that weird comedy thing. Like, when you decide to put a comedian in something that's not comedic. Yeah, well, because it could go either way in that scenario. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I think Keaton really balanced the funny quips and charm of Bruce Wayne with, like, the darkness of Batman. That's the thing, too. Like, I was waiting for him to put on a funny voice like Christian Bale does. And he does at one point in this movie when he's around Vicky Vale, but that's because he knows that Vicky knows Bruce. So he's trying to, that made sense. So it just made me laugh thinking about Christian Bale. Cause say what you want about the Christian Bale Batman movies. I like dark Knight. <laughs> the other two, eh, they're fine, but I don't remember ever in that movie or any of them really, the Nolan ones being like, where's Bruce Wayne? I want Bruce Wayne back on screen. This one, I was like, I miss Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that works for the movies 
benefit or not because i mean it's batman i feel like there's not enough batman in this batman movie there might not be the dark knight is a very different movie because it's clearly meant to show that bruce wayne is the mask to batman so that's whole nolan's point of those three movies batman's the personality bruce wayne is the mask yeah this is batman and bruce wayne are two separate people Mm -hmm. and then of course val kilmer and george clooney are just to sell toys right obviously (laughs) um okay so let's get into some preliminary fun facts so we can get into this thing because i really want to chop it up about this movie so obviously it was directed by tim burton this was right in between beetlejuice and edward scissorhands so right in like the nitty-gritty good spot of his weird fucking dark twisty shit where you still trusted tim burton Right. This is pre like Alice in Wonderland, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory shit. Okay. He also did Batman Returns, of course, uh, Mars Attacks, which we talked about. The movie was written by two guys, one by the name of Sam Ham, which was I saw that in the credits, and I because I'm 12, I laughed because it rhymes. It's a funny name, but uh, the only credit I recognize from him is from Monkey Bone, which I've never seen Monkey Bone. Ooh. I only have heard lore about the movie that is monkey bone (laughs) yeah it scares me (laughs) and we also have warren scarin who wrote beetlejuice so we're we're in a decent spot right now because the one thing i know about monkey bone is it's fucking weird so i mean okay here we go (laughs) it is one thing of course we have to discuss is the score for both this movie and the sequel, Batman Returns, we have Danny Elfman scoring, and uh, it was a Grammy-nominated score for this film. He's also a four-time Oscar-nominated composer. He's done a whole shit ton of Tim Burton's films. He also did the score for Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, uh, Mission Impossible, which we did a, a review on, Silver Linings Playbook, which we did a review on. So a, a lot, a lot of things. Very talented guy. The score, I felt, was really great in this oh. film, particularly in the beginning and end sequences. Oh, it's it's amazing. And as far as awards for this movie, it won the People's Choice Award for Favorite Movie of the Year. It won an Oscar for Art Direction, Makes Sense. And it was nominated for a Grammy for Original Song, for Prince, it was Party in the, Man. It was in the movie. Oh my, we're gonna, just, okay, I don't know why, not that I'm mad that Prince is in this movie, not in the movie, but his songs, like, I'm not mad about it, I just don't understand, why did we need Prince songs in this? I, I don't know, I, I think it, it didn't was, really add anything to no. the movie, it just, it felt very out of place both times, <laughs> there was a Prince song, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> alright, well, I guess if you can get Prince to do a song for your movie, you get Prince. Exactly. So, it's I'm not judging, I'm just, it's an odd choice, but not necessarily a bad one. But the film was obviously very successful with a $35 million budget. It had a worldwide gross of $411 million. Uh, it was domestically the highest grossing film of 1989. Internationally, it was also the second highest right behind, weirdly enough, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, there you go. So 89 was quite a time to be alive in the movie theaters. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Scotty, before we get into the nitty gritty, I just want to know, because, I mean... I'm trying to think for myself. I mean, for me, I I would say it's between two people, but I just want to know who's your favorite Batman in movies. Oh, 
Let's not count Kevin Conroy because no, obviously yeah, that's not even a conversation. Yeah, I can't. I can't count Kevin Conroy. Do so I love in the live action movies, which one would you say is your favorite? I probably still have to go with Keaton. It would probably go Keaton Bale, Pattinson, Kilmer, Clooney. Okay. Uh, is Affleck in there? Did you put Affleck in there? Oh, no, somewhere? I didn't. Put, I forgot about. <laughs> I Affleck. was like, wait, what about Batfleck, Scott? I still like Batfleck, man. He's fine. Batfleck never got a fair shake. He didn't, and he's fine. But to be fair, and I feel like maybe I'm gonna get pushback on this, or like maybe I won't. I don't think I will get pushback like mad people, but I don't think Keaton got a fair shake either, really. No, he didn't, and that's again, it's because of the time in his career. Yeah, like I wanted more from him. Like I, I, if we, if we had a Burton. Keaton Batman trilogy I feel like that would be more well-rounded the thing you can say about Bale as Batman in his full-ass fucking trilogy that was like a hundred hours long if you count all the movies together he felt like he had a fully rounded journey as Batman Keaton after watching now this movie 89 and Batman Returns I feel like he didn't get to really complete the arc like i feel like i wanted one more it's <laughs> just one more well again i think at the time frame they did not really know what they wanted to do with superhero movies and just like oh we did the two we're fine we're done we moved on yeah the only one i haven't seen now play batman is kilmer i haven't seen batman forever that's the only one i haven't seen i think as far as the live action ones i, I remember kilmer being okay I would imagine he's better than Clooney, at least, but Iceman? Yeah. <laughs> as as the Batman? Sure. Yeah, he could work. The issue is, oh, we don't want to get too dark, even though Batman's, like, arguably the darkest character in the DC universe. Right. So we have to have him, like, click his heels like Dorothy and pop out ice skates and skate around and we <laughs> with gotta, a hockey stick. And we gotta sell toys at McDonald's, baby. Oh, God. All right. So, Scott... Are you ready to get into this? Let's do it. Let's get I'm into it. I'm actually really excited because there's a lot of stuff I want to like talk about and gush about. So we start off with, of course, the amazing score by Danny Elfman, and we quickly cut to Gotham. Very Tim Burton-y. Very Tim Burton-y. Got it. I immediately got the vibe. I love that all these fucking rich people in Gotham decide, you know what? Let me cut down this back alleyway to get to where I need to go. The whole movie, particularly like the first maybe half hour where we're like setting up everything where we are and the, the the vibes of the city which by the way that was the time where i was the worst in this movie where i was like where the fuck <laughs> is batman because there's like one scene where he's introduced as batman which we'll talk about and then after that like two minute fucking scene he's gone for like 25 30 minutes and i'm like where's my boy where is my boy but yeah the whole vibe of gotham is very like old school noir movie mixed with like steampunk a little bit which is kind of funny but it's very burton yeah it's very gothic this family decides that cutting down the dark alleyway of course they get robbed i thought this was gonna be thomas and martha wayne which kind of faked me out a little bit well it's a very similar setup to thomas and martha wayne which we do get eventually in the movie but that's for another purpose. So, of course, these guys are like, we get me out with the loot. Thank God the Bat didn't show up. And, of course, Batman shows up in all his glory. Frankie was laughing. 
I was because, okay, in the foreground, you have like two very dirty street vagrants just talking about the bat. And then you see in the background, just like, <laughs> you can practically see the wires on him. And you can actually see the wires on him later in the movie. But he just like plied practically on the ground. And then I was like, oh, that's a little theatrical. Okay, sweetie. And then he fucking stands over them with his cape like draped over like i'm here and i'm like oh my god okay sweetie <laughs> okay it's, bruce wayne was a theater kid in another life it, it's great it really is great he kicks their ass hangs one off the roof you know like batman does we get introduced to our annoying newspaper guy Knox. yes he's played by robert wall he's a character actor he's been in a bunch of things I feel like we've talked about him before because he was in Bull Durham and Bodyguard. He's annoying. He's pretty annoying, but he does the job that he's there to do. He's there to be like annoying kind of sidekick guy that's like skulking around looking for evidence on the Batman. He's there to like every time Vicky Vale, who we're going to introduce in a little while, brings up Bruce Wayne because she's into Bruce Wayne this guy Knox is like don't worry about Bruce Wayne we're trying to find the Batman and he, you know it sets up the audience to be like you fucking idiot <laughs> you know exactly so he does the job he's there to do uh there are some great little scenes here like Batman does get shot and then like immediately gets up and kicks ass it was, it was just awesome naturally oh and yeah well the whole like infamous thing where he can't turn his neck he yep. has to turn his whole body <laughs> it looks really funny when you see it in person you're like oh wow it looks so stupid it does but again he couldn't move his neck he, the, <laughs> the, the costumes welded together basically so i mean he, he has do to, you boo boo we meet billy d williams who plays uh harvey dent who unfortunately never got to play two-face until Dude, the like, lego batman movie yeah. years later yeah, Billy D is wasted in this movie. Also, like, how do you do that? Like, this is Billy D fucking Williams. He's in like a few scenes in the beginning of the movie, and then he's he just disappears for a while. And I swear to God, he shows up at the end, and I'm like, oh yeah, Billy D Williams is in the like, what the fuck? <laughs> how can you waste that man? This movie, as much as I love it, it's not a perfect movie. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I have yet I have not seen Batman Forever. But if you gave me a choice, would you like to see Tommy Lee Jones play Two-Face or Billy D. Williams? I'd be like, I want to see Billy D. Williams play fucking Two-Face. I think Billy D. Williams would have been a lot more fun. And I think the onset tension with him and Jim Carrey wouldn't have happened. But yeah, like it just seems like such a waste of a cool fucking actor, but whatever. Uh, but then we meet our main villain of this movie, Jack Napier. Oh my, played by Jack fucking Nicholson. So... Just to let you guys know how much of a G this guy is, not only was he Golden Globe nominated for this role, and we all know who fucking Jack Nicholson is. We did a review on The Shining. He was also in Mars Attacks, which is also a Tim Burton movie. But Jack Nicholson not only got his fee for being in this movie, he also negotiated it where he got a cut of the gross. So he ended up making like $60 million on this movie, which for 1989 was probably pretty fucking good. Oh, yeah. And uh, he described the Joker as a psychotic version of Bugs Bunny, which I thought was really funny. He is. But, yeah, I didn't realize that in this movie, the Joker's not the Joker in the beginning. He's just some guy named Jack, which I'm sure was very convenient for everyone on set, including Jack Nicholson. 
Because there was a couple times where people said things and they're like, oh, Jack, such a da-da-da. And I was like, oh, that's just Jack talking to, like, a fucking PA on set. Like, he's not even acting at this point. But, yeah, he looked totally normal. And I was like, oh, that's not the Joker. Where's the Joker? <laughs> well, he's got to fall into a vat of chemicals at some point. Yeah, I didn't realize, I don't think, like, how early this movie takes place in Batman's career. Oh, like, yeah, well, Batman has just started maybe let's say a month or two ago like he hasn't he's not batman and the thing about like jack how silly he plays this at times it's fun though like he he plays the character very silly but he's you know he's done noir stuff before so it's not like you can't take him seriously because he's done this stuff with chinatown and things like that so he's a veteran of this and he brings a sense of gravitas to this role and with the joker you have to play a, you're brilliant because you're a criminal mastermind. B, you're fucking psychotic and an agent of chaos. Yeah. And you have to, like, fuse brilliance with chaos into a character. Right. And, I mean, once he turns into the Joker, I love how Burton... I mean, just in general with Tim Burton movies, he uses lighting as a tool for, like, introducing your characters and, like, making them more intimidating or scary or mysterious or gloomy or just... I just love how he, in particular, uses lighting to engage the audience in a different way. Yeah, he does an amazing job with it. Um, so, a new reporter shows up at Action News, Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale, played by Kim Basinger, who we just talked about recently at the end of last year with the nice guys she had a, a pretty small role in that we'll talk about her casting in this movie when we get to cast could have but i gotta say i was kind of like surprised that i liked her as much as i did in this movie because one thing that i personally have never gotten out of any batman movie is a convincing and chemistry filled romance with any of them. So when I got it here with Keaton and Basinger, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is new for a Batman movie. I actually love them together. And like, I want them to be together. Like, this is great. <laughs> they do a great job in the little amount of time that we have with them. You believe that they actually have a connection. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like is that later in the movie, she's like, she does the thing that they tend to do to women in all like movies with a romance. They have her like completely fall in love with the guy in two minutes. Like they've been on one date in this movie. And then by the end of the movie, she's like, I've been in love with you since I saw you. I'm like, okay, honey, calm down. <laughs> 1980s. In the same breath, he's pretty taken with her the first time he sees her too. No, he is. They're both like, you know, it's a very intense connection probably fueled by a lot of adrenaline you know being threatened and jumping in and saving a bitch every fucking 20 minutes i got it yeah you know but <laughs> it's still cute i still bought into it and i loved it and it made me happy because none of the fucking romances that they try to do in these batman movies i give a fuck about and even in batman returns even though catwoman is fucking nutso in oh, yeah. batman returns she is mentally unstable i still was like you go bitch get your man <laughs> you're both fucked up you can fix each other it's fine um so we go to a bruce wayne benefit uh he is hosting a benefit at wayne manor which is just a castle it's very funny because they have moments where like bruce sticks his pen in a plant and alfred just takes it and like <laughs> Yeah, they pretty much establish right away that Alfred is 
always cleaning up after him, both literally and metaphorically. Like later in the movie, he does something and we're going to talk about it where he he literally cleans up Bruce's emotional mess that he created for his goddamn self. And, he, and it's like, OK, thank you. Thank you for fixing this. It would have taken forever if you hadn't done something, Alfred. You're, you're a real one. Knox and Vicky are walking around Wayne Manor. Because Knox is an idiot. And at this black tie party like event thing, he's walking around with a tape recorder trying to get quotes from people about the Batman. Like, like anybody's going to talk to you, bro. Like, fuck off. Especially the higher-ups like Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Dent and all these rich people are going to talk to you about the fucking Batman. So stupid. Oh, God. But they're making fun of Bruce Wayne and Michael Keane's just standing there behind them. Oh, my God. It was so funny. He, like, snuck up so, like, stealthily and was just like, hey, guys, <laughs> what are you talking about? Which is just Bruce being Bruce. Uh, while all of this is going on, Jack Palance is in this movie. Ah, uh, yes. He plays the, the big bad mob boss, Grissom, who Jack works for at this time. Uh, he was also the bad guy in Young Guns he the was. year before this. But uh, I think Grissom was a character that was just created for this movie. He was. To be a big bad mob boss. Yeah, and who Jack is sleeping with his wife. Fun. He basically knows he's like the next in line. Like he's got to take over Grissom's stuff. But Grissom also knows that, that Jack is like a fucking loose cannon of a person. So he decides he's going to set him up and have him killed by uh, the crooked cops. So we are at the chemical company, Axis Chemicals. Jack is now being chased by the cops. People are getting shot. Batman shows up, starts beating the shit out of people. Quickly, an accident happens. Jack falls over a rail. Batman tries to catch him, fails to catch him. Jack falls into the chemicals. Jack is presumed dead. Which is stupid because they probably should have checked, but that's just me. Whatever. So it quickly becomes, we cut back to now the next day where Vicky Vale, she's got a date to go to. <laughs> she's got a date with Bruce Wayne. She does have a date with Bruce Wayne. So cute. They started off kind of corny where like they're in this big ass dining room and Bruce is sitting on one end of a really, really long table and she's sitting on the other end and they're eating soup and they're just awkwardly trying to talk in this big room. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cliche. But then, you know, they're like, oh, do you want to get out of here? This is, you know, I don't even like this room. I've never been in this room before. This is Bruce who lives here. So they take their food and they go in the kitchen and they're like chatting. And they're chatting with Alfred, who's so sweet. Just like shooting the shit. It's so cute. It's just it like is. a maybe five minute scene, maybe. Yeah. And yet they have so much chemistry so much more chemistry than again any other batman coupling in any other live action film like i'm just thinking of fucking uh christian bale with like rachel in the nolan trilogy and i'm just like or with anne hathaway even and i'm like there's nothing there and then you look at this like five minute scene and they're just like bursting with chemistry Uh, well again we establish here that Bruce is a different personality. He's not Batman yet. And the thing about Bale and his relationships is Bruce isn't real. Bruce is not a person. In the Nolan movies. No, he's not a person. He's, he's He is a mask. So any relationship he can have is never going to be real for that Batman. At least until he retires and God knows what happens when they're in Italy and Alfred's sitting at a table, you know. Gives him a little nod, like, yes, 
you faked your death. I thought you were dead for however long, like a year probably. I took care of you for your whole life. Couldn't send me an email and let me know you're alive? No? Okay. Something. Have fun. A bat telegram. Who knows? You know. <laughs> a bat telegram. <laughs> um, but we cut to a surgery center. And we know it's a surgery center because it's just a big sign on the wall that says surgery. Yes. And for some reason, the surgeon is performing surgery in the dark. <laughs> because Tim Burton, we have to be in the dark. <laughs> And he, he's performing surgery on Jack, and uh, it apparently did not go well. I do like how they eventually do the reveal of Joker. Like, in, in the surgery scene, the surgeon is just talking about, like, you know, oh, all the nerves were severed, Mr. Napier. Like, I couldn't, I could, I did what I could, and then you just, you don't see it, but he looks in a mirror, Jack, and he just starts laughing maniacally, and then... He goes to confront Jack Palance, his boss, you know, who obviously thinks he's dead. And he's completely cast in shadow. You just see like a little sliver of the white face paint. And then when he comes into the light, it's just so stark against this black background. It really hits you like a truck. It's really, really well done. And of course, there's cloud music as he kills Jack Palance. Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Because now he's a clown. There's a few times where he's like killing or maiming someone and he's just dancing and singing around and I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, Jack's having a good time. Well, right after this, he has a meeting with like the other mob bosses of the city and he kills somebody with like the Joker buzzer kill. Oh, yeah. and he... Cartoony for sure, but still effective. Nicholson's selling it. So we cut back to Vicky Vale and Bruce who have now slept together and Vicky goes... Oh, you want to come over to my apartment tonight? Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, oh, I felt so bad. I was like, Bruce, don't do this. <laughs> she's so cute and she's nice and she's cool. Like, don't do this to yourself. I, I can't come over tonight. Uh, I'm going out of town for business. I got big business to do. And she she goes <laughs> to leave and she says, oh, I'll see you when you guys get back to Alfred. And Alfred goes, we ain't going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here for quite a long time. God damn it, Alfred. <laughs> Don't you worry. Stick with the story. God damn it. <laughs> then she starts like following him and investigating him and stuff because I, I don't think she suspects that he's Batman. I think she's just like intrigued by him and he's a big mystery man, you know? So she goes, she starts investigating him and following him around. And at one point I, I might be nitpicking. Okay. Full disclosure, I might be nitpicky, but I just found it a little strange. So she follows Bruce. He walks down this dirty alleyway and stops in front of this abandoned... Was it a hotel? Yeah, it's... It was a completely abandoned hotel, completely filthy street, gross, decrepit, bad. He leaves two long-stemmed roses just on the ground... Like in the middle of the of the sidewalk, and just walks away, and I could infer by just context clues of what I know about Batman that he's leaving it there for his parents because that's where his parents were killed. I'm assuming. Yes. But my first and again, I might be nitpicking, <laughs> but don't they have graves? They do. <laughs> like, like I understand you want to go to the place. I'm not saying you can't go to the place where they were killed and like think about them and, and you know reflect but why would you leave roses there just so they could get crushed 
by like or like just in this dirty because if he goes like on a regular basis and leaves flowers there obviously there's not a big pile of flowers there they disappear because you know dirty decrepit crime-ridden gotham city shit happens i don't know criminals like like roses i guess but i'm just saying like why leave roses there why not leave roses at their gravesite but if he leaves roses at the gravesite, then all Vicky has to do is walk up to the graves, see his parents' names, look them up, and then he, she knows what happened to him. But no, we have to leave the roses at the place where they were killed so she can go back to Knox and be like, research this one corner in this one town over the past like 50 years or whatever and see if anything's ever happened on this street corner this one street corner in this crime ridden town ever and we'll figure out why he leaves roses there it just seemed very much like we have to do this because movie and that annoyed me a little bit (laughs) well in the comics uh, he does leave roses at the site of his parents death usually on the anniversary of their death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to cut to Mimes killing every mob boss in the city. Oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> Bruce pulls up to like town hall or whatever and they're doing like a press conference and then all of a sudden just a mime is dancing in the shot and I'm like, what the fuck? Why is it? Why mime? Mime? Why? Why mime? And then Why mime? And then Scott's like, there's many mimes. I'm like, no there's not. <laughs> sure enough there's mimes fucking everywhere and i'm like what is this it just came out of absolutely nowhere it was so weird but then again tim burton yeah tim burton and the joker so it's it's gonna be weird uh so they kill all the mob bosses in the city joker then decides he's gonna perform his evil plan where he's gonna release chemicals into the city and he ends up killing quite a few people and he's like, it could be in anything. You have no idea. Oh, right. It could be in, like, different products or something. Yeah, makeup, perfume. Yeah. So they have this thing where they have to stop using products. And it's kind of like a funny joke because the people on the news go from, like, these pristine, like, made-up, beautiful people to, like, looking like absolute horseshit. But then you cut, like, to the next scene. You have Harvey Dent show up for the first time in, like, probably forever. And his hair is, like, perfectly quaffed. He looks great. He's looking sly as fuck because he's fucking Billy D. Like, you can't make that man look bad, I guess. Nope, you cannot. <laughs> Poor Burton was probably like, Billy, we, we got to, like, rustle up your hair a little bit just to make you look a little more ragged. And Billy D was probably like, uh, you will not be touching my beautiful locks. No, thank no, you, sir. No, sir. No. <laughs> and while all of this is going on, Joker, pretending to be Bruce Wayne, sets up a date at the museum with Vicky Vale. Oh my god. Yeah, so she leaves a message at Bruce Bruce's house and Alfred picks it up and he he tells Bruce like, "Oh, Vicky's going to be a little late meeting at the museum." And he's like, "Oh, I wasn't meeting with her. What the fuck?" So he immediately realizes that something is afoot. So when we go to the museum and fucking Joker breaks out into dance, he's dancing to the Prince song Party Man. Tell you what his name is. going crazy messing up all the paintings he knocks everybody out with knockout gas knocks out he kills he's tormenting this poor girl and i'm like where are you bruce like come on like what are you waiting for traffic took him forever to get there but then of course he shows up and and saves the day he does save the day 
Jack is really good at being menacing. Sure, even when he's twirling around <laughs> with the boombox and like fucking baton, dancing to Prince. I'm just like, okay, I definitely don't want to run into you in the pale moonlight. Oh, no, 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 no. Batman saves Vicky, uh, takes her in the Batmobile. She takes pictures. He ends up knocking her out and stealing the pictures. Yeah, he takes her back to the Batcave, which, by the way, there are literal bats in the Batcave. I'm like, okay, we get it. I don't think you have to have... Are you feeding these bats? Like, what? Okay, it doesn't matter. But (laughs) he takes her there, and she's constantly, like, looking at him. Like, she's like, hmm, I feel like I know you. And he keeps, like, turning away. But yeah, he he knocks her ass out because he's like, yeah, you got pictures, bitch. You can't you can't have those pictures. <laughs> uh, Bruce Wayne shows up at her house because he's yeah. like, I'm gonna tell her. It is so cute. I was like really excited. I was like, he's actually gonna tell. Her. He had a little talk with Alfred, and he's like, you should tell her because she's awesome. And he's like, yeah, she's pretty great, isn't she? Okay, I'm gonna tell her. And then he goes to her house, and this is like one of the best scenes of the movie. Oh yeah. So he's trying to tell her. He's, he's literally... He's taking forever. He could have... He's stalling. He's freaking out a little bit. Well, yeah, of course he's freaking out. He hasn't told anybody this. And he doesn't know how she's going to react to him telling her that he's Batman. Like, how would you react if I if suddenly I was like... If you came home and was like, babe, guess what? I'm Batman. I've been like, <laughs> okay, honey. <laughs> but of course, Joker shows up. But he doesn't take her. So I guess he just went there to like torment her some more yeah for no reason well i think he was like he he shoots bruce here and he's just kind of like okay i'll let you live with that but i will be back it was a really good scene because if when he first shows up bruce disappears and then vicky's looking around like where the fuck did he go and then he comes back and he's like talking to joker as bruce and then all of a sudden he's just like, you want to get nuts? And I was like, oh, that's the scene. That's the you want to get nuts scene. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I thought, because when you see that clip out of context, which I have, it just looks stupid. Like, it just, how, what are you going to do, dude? Like, if you have a fire poker and you're just, like, screaming about, you want to get nuts. But, like, in the scene, in context, in the movie, it, like, comes off, like, really cool. Because he's, like, suavely, like, talking to him the whole time. And then it leads up to that big moment where he's like, come on, let's go. And then, yeah, he shoots Bruce. Well, he, he falls. I'm like, oh, my God. Did he actually get shot in the chest? And Scott's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. What the fuck? And then, of course, he leaves Joker. And then Vicky turns around and Bruce is gone. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> After he shoots Bruce, too, he then goes, you never rub another man's rhubarb. Yeah, which was just nonsense. But it works somehow because Jack Nicholson. Jack sells it great. But, yeah, we get the flashback. And in this flashback, we flash back to Bruce's parents being killed. And the killer of this wicked evil smile then goes, Hey, kid, as he points the gun at young Bruce, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And then the other criminal who's with the shooter goes, Jack, we got to get the fuck out of here. Right. And it's very clearly like he's an actor that clearly has a very Jack Nicholson-y type smile. So it was, uh, yeah, it was clearly him. So Jack decides he's going to be like, Hey, I want to fight Batman mano a mano, 
But before that, I'm going to dump $20 million into the streets of Gotham for anybody to take. So right before we go into this final act of the movie, we get uh, the MVP award going to Alfred in this movie. Because literally the whole like struggle, the whole personal struggle for Bruce in the movie is like, how am I supposed to get close to anyone if I have this whole other life going on and you know, I can't fully trust anyone. And Alfred's like, but Miss Vale, she's quite lovely, isn't she? Oh, yes, yes, she's lovely, Alfred. Thank you. You should tell her the truth. Well, I tried that, Alfred, and I got shot. Well, here you go, Bruce. I'm going to do it for you. He literally brings her into the fucking Batcave and is like, hey, here you go. Talk now. And I feel like I'm sure some people have a problem with that that Alfred broke bro code and brought the bitch into the bat cave. But I'm cool with it because sometimes when your friends don't have the stones to do what must be done, you must give it a little push. So he brought her in there and they have a really good scene here too, where she says, I've loved you since I met. Okay, whatever. If, if she just said, listen, I feel like I'm falling for you. That would have been more believable, but that's fine. That's a little nitpick. She goes like, you know, I really care about you. And he's like, I care about you. Why won't you let me in? You got in. And she's like, are we going to try to love each other? And he's like, okay, I, mean, I got to go to work. <laughs> so yeah, they go off their separate ways. And it's like a really cute scene. And I'm like rooting for them. I'm like, yay, I'm rooting for a romance in a Batman movie. This is great. Now, before we get into the climax of climaxes here in Batman 89, we must talk about what we all want to talk about because there's lots of it so let's do uh one of our favorite segments on shoot the flick the, the cast could have been batman okay cool so in early early versions of the script there were plans to have robin in the movie aka dick grayson yeah and they asked someone to do the role, but he turned it down. And then the character ended up just being rid out of the script anyway. Do you know who this is, Scott? No, I, I don't. Kiefer Sutherland, at the ripe age of 19 years old, the year before Young Guns, was asked to play Dick Grayson, but turned it down. Oh, well, you would have been happy with that. You would have got more. I would have been happy with that because I would have got more 80s Kiefer Sutherland, which I love. But <laughs> I feel like that would have been really cool. Oh, uh, yeah, Kiefer would have been great. I, again, I don't. we don't need a Robin, really, so it's fine. Yeah, we don't need a Robin in this, but to be fair, in Batman Returns, did we really need Christopher Walken? Did we really need the Penguin? No. No. Sorry, Danny DeVito, but we didn't need you in Batman Returns. Walking around like you looked like you had a fucking shitty diaper oh, on. Yeah. That, and a top hat and that, a beak. We didn't need it. <laughs> that whole movie kind of is just insane. As far as Vicky Vale in this movie... There were a couple other people in mind. Firstly, oddly enough, Michelle Pfeiffer was asked to audition for Vicky. But at the time, I believe she was dating Michael Keaton. And he was kind of like against it, saying it would be awkward. Like, you know. Yeah. She ended up not taking it. But then, ironically, when Batman Returns came out, I don't think they were dating anymore. And then she ended up as Catwoman. And they were fucking making out all over the place. So much for awkwardness. It's fine. 
But weirdly, Kim Basinger was the first choice initially for Vicki Vale, but she said no at first. So then Sean Young from Blade Runner was cast. Also, yeah, good actress. Which is a good choice, but she apparently broke her collarbone while practicing horse riding for the movie. That's what IMDb said, but I was like, when I watched this movie, I'm like, she didn't ride a horse. And where where was she supposed to ride a horse in this movie? Maybe like on a date with Bruce? Maybe. I don't know. But she had to drop out. So then they called Kim Basinger like a week before they started filming. And they're like, please, please come back. Please. We're please. You. We need you. We're going to shoot in a week. We don't have a fucking love interest. We need you. And she's like, okay, fine. But can I bring my own costume designer? Yes, fine. Whatever you want. <laughs> so she came back and she did. She did a good job. She was a great Vicky Vale. Yeah, I was kind of bummed because I knew she wasn't in Batman Returns. And they did mention her in Batman Returns. They're like, yeah, she couldn't handle the duality of my personality, basically, is what he was saying. He could, she couldn't handle Batman and Bruce being Batman and Bruce, which, which makes sense. I feel like only a few people can handle like that. Like, Lois Lane's one of the few characters that's like, okay, I'm cool with Clark Kent and Superman. In the comics, Batman's had three people. It's Vicky Vale, mm-hmm. it's Catwoman, mm-hmm. and it's Talia al Ghul. And usually in the very end, he usually ends up with Catwoman. That's the one that ends up making the most sense for Batman. (laughs) It did make sense in Batman Returns, even though it didn't end happily for them at the end of that movie. But it made sense just because, like, at one point in Batman Returns, he says, like, we're the same. Like, we're both split down the middle. And it weirdly worked. I was like, how is he going to get... This girl's, like, clearly mentally unstable right now. She's not okay. Like, how is he going to get with her and it's going to make sense? But it did, because she's not... It's not like she's, like, the Joker and she's totally fucking out of her mind, like... Oh, no. Irrational. She's definitely, like, lost it a little bit, but it makes sense how she got there. And she's also got a handle on, like, who she is still. Like, she's just trying to figure her shit out. Oh, yeah, definitely. But she also does the same thing with Batman. She understands Batman and Catwoman are the actual personalities. Selina Kyle and Bruce Wayne are the masks. Right. Well, um, let's talk about Joker. Oh, boy. There were quite a few people considered for the role. Uh, Joe Dante, for example, was at one point being considered to direct and he wanted John Lithgow to be Joker, which is Ugh. kind of an odd choice. But I, I want to talk about Robin Williams because they okay. did Robin Williams fucking dirty. They did? Yeah. So they offered Rob... First, they offered Jack Nicholson the role and he was hesitating. He was like, I don't know if I want to do it. So they offered Robin Williams the role instead and he accepted it. But they basically offered Robin Williams the role so they could go back to Nicholson and be like, well, if you don't do it, Robin's going to do it and you're done. So then they were kind of just using Robin as a pawn to get Nicholson. So then once Nicholson said yes, they let Robin go. And Robin was fucking pissed. He's like, what the fuck? I didn't sign on to this to be like a fucking pawn and be used by you fuckers. So then he was pissed off at Warner Brothers. And later on, I think they asked him to be Riddler in Batman Forever. And he was like, fuck you. Because of that. Yeah, I, I can see why. I, I'd be pissed, too. But if you just think about it, though, Robin Williams is the Joker. That would have been really, really good. It would have been interesting. Again, I I don't know if he was ready to be the dark persona we've seen from him from later movies yet. I could see him like really putting himself completely into that character, kind of like how Heath Ledger did in Dark Knight. 
like I could see Robin Williams doing something akin to that. It, again, would have been very interesting. It, it's one of those things that, like, in another universe, I would have liked to see what would have happened. Like, I'm not sure how he would have done at this point in 89 as the mobster. Like, would we have changed his origin a bit? Or, like, would we have gone with the, the failed comedian route? Because there's another Joker that's that route. Well, right, yeah, that's true. The failed comedian who's like, okay, I'll join the mob just to do this one job. And then Batman breaks up this crime ring and he falls into the acid right. and then becomes evil. So would we have done that Joker and not the mob boss Joker? Maybe we'll never know. Moving on, last but not least, to the, the caped... That's not... Caped Crusader is yes, not cape. Batman, is it? <laughs> yes, the caped Crusader is Batman. Oh, it is Batman. Okay, I know things. So the caped Crusader, <laughs> Batman. Moving on to him. We have... As our first choice, who had to turn it down, Mel Gibson. Okay. He had to do Lethal Weapon 2, so he had to turn it down. It makes sense, especially in 89. At least for a box office draw, if you have Mel Gibson as Batman. But I can't see him being Bruce Wayne. No, I can't either. I can see him being Batman. Being like, you want to get nuts. But (laughs) But I can't see him being like chill like no. calm suave he does have a suave to him in, in lethal weapon like he does okay he has a charisma all right he but he is arguably at this time one of our biggest actors in hollywood at 89 uh another actor who had to turn down the role for goodfellas ray liotta yeah i can't see ray liotta i can't either <laughs> i can't I, I can see him on the other side yeah sure I can't sure. as as a mob boss. I can't. I can never see Ray Liotta as a good guy. I, it just doesn't happen in my head. And before we get to our our little list that I have compiled here, Adam West uh, at this time publicly expressed disappointment that he wasn't asked to return as Batman in this movie, even though at the time he was sixty years old. Which I mean, if Indiana Jones can run around and whip the shit out of people at eighty. Sure, Adam West probably could have did it at 60, but it wouldn't have been the same. <laughs> also, I think we were trying to avoid the goofiness of what Adam West Batman was. Right. So we have a, a list here of other guys who are being considered. We have Tango and Cash themselves. Jeez. Kurt Russell and Sly Stallone. Uh, okay. Kurt would have been fun. Kurt would have been fun. Sly's basically just what Judge Dredd, but in a bat suit. Like, yeah, no little... thanks. And of course, we also have Schwarzenegger in here, which I feel like S- Stallone and Schwarzenegger, they both have a charm about them that has allowed them to maintain a film career for as long as they have, despite the fact that they sometimes have troubles being understood with the way they speak. But um, I think, yeah, I just think. The specific charm that is needed for Bruce Wayne is not the charm that they possess. <laughs> also, let's face it, if Batman is fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, how do you not go, hey, you know, Bruce Wayne's pretty jacked, too. Yeah, I was just thinking that, because both of them are jacked as fuck. Their arms are, like, bigger than a normal person's especially in 89, face. Especially in 89. So, like, how are you supposed to be like, oh, I wonder who that guy is? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're talking about, like, Rocky Stallone, like, 76. Sure, sure, sure. Like, okay. That makes more sense. That's why you need somebody like uh, Michael Keaton or a Kurt Russell or a Jeff Bridges, who was also considered. Yeah, um, uh, Jeff's fine. Jeff's fine. I like Jeff. I, lo- I like Jeff, too. I just he's always got a little twang to his voice. I mean, 
Yeah, no, you're right. But <laughs> we can work with that. We can figure it out. Uh, you want to talk about a little uh, specific twang? What about Al Pacino? Al Pacino's got another kind of twang to his voice. Hoo-ha! Yeah, that that I don't need to see. I don't need to see Pacino as Batman. Oh, God, we got Nick Cage in here. We got all, like, the who's who over here. Nick Cage is kind of wrong for the same reason he was wrong for Superman. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but when we went to go see The Flash in theaters, I probably was scaring people next to me in the theater because when (laughs) Nick Cage Superman came on the screen, I was wriggling around in my seat laughing hysterically like they're not doing this. They're not doing this. And I like erupted. It was so great. But yeah, no, it wouldn't have worked in real life, buddy. Sorry. I love Nick Cage, but no. Again, it would have been interesting. I I don't see it. I, I, I don't know. I think Keaton was the best choice overall because I think he does the best at balancing both worlds so well. I think so. It was better that they picked someone like Keaton who at this point wasn't huge. I mean, he had done Beetlejuice. But even in Beetlejuice, you don't look at that guy and think, oh, this is our new Batman. You think this no. is a fucking weirdo. <laughs> You know? Oh yeah. So, it, I feel like that was the best thing they could have done. Get somebody kind of not completely fresh, but just like a clean slate of what this guy is capable of. You have to toe the line for Batman in a very specific way for it to work. Oh yeah. Joker, you don't really know anything about him. Even Jack Napier, even though he has a name in this movie, and you see a little bit of him before he becomes Joker. You don't really know anything about him as a person. No, you just know he's a psychotic. Right. So you have a little more open interpretation to what this character could be. With Batman, it's more specific and you have to really kind of balance it perfectly, depending on what movie you're in also. Like, you know, these movies, the, the Burton and the Schumacher movies are more silly with like a little bit of darkness, depending on which movie. And then you have the Nolan movies, which are pretty much all dark and no silly and then you know you got like fucking dceu batman which is like we don't know what the fuck we are and then (laughs) pattinson we're kind of going back more to really dark and serious so it's 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 a crapshoot every time but you really have to find the right formula and it's why i think they did this so well with 89 is because this is a batman still trying to find his way it's much more of an interesting story to tell. Yeah, there there have been a lot of Batmans over the years, a lot of Jokers. But right now, we got to get back to the climax of climaxes yes. in Batman 89. Yes. The very first, the OG Batman. It's indeed. And we are at the parade. We are at the parade singing Prince. Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. Joker singing Prince, throwing money to the crowd. And then he finally goes, let's release the gas. And they start releasing purple gas and killing a bunch of people. Um, love that purple gas, bitch. <laughs> love that purple gas. Batman shows up in the bat plane, takes the balloons, knocks them out, you know. Which there was no mention. I feel like there should have been a mention that there was a plane before. It's like there's no mention of a plane. He just comes out of nowhere with a fucking plane. I'm like, it would have been funny if we had mentioned that we were working on a plane before the plane just appears. 
Well, <laughs> just a little like a little tease, like oh, like Alfred comes in the room and she's like, "I have the schematics for the bat plane, sir," and that's it. That's all we needed. And then he shows up at the end with a bat plane. That would have been funnier. It made more sense. It would have been fine. But out of nowhere, he comes in a bat plane, he and we're all just supposed to accept this is a thing that well, is real. I, I okay. Do, I do love Jack Nicholson. And he goes, "My balloons." <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> to fucking Batman comes and takes all his stupid balloons with the gas and shit away and like releases them into the atmosphere, which I don't know if that's a good idea either, but okay. And he just lets him go and Jack Nicholson is just like, my balloons. He took my balloons like a five-year-old. Like I'm like, what the fuck is going on? That there that part, the parade, just felt like a fever dream. Because we're fucking playing 90% of this Prince song, which I've never heard in all of my 30 years of living. There's a big clown balloon and all the all the fucking goons are dressed like cops and he's dancing around in his purple suit, Jack Nicholson. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I looking at right now? I'm so confused. Hey, it's a good time, though. He shoots Batman out of the sky with a giant gun. As you do. As you do. You're the Joker. And then Joker, of course, kidnaps Vicky Vale. Brings her to the roof of a church. Batman, of course, gets out of the crashed airplane, follows them. He's hurt because he just was in a plane crash. I do like, though, that Vicky ran up to the bat plane looking for Bruce. And, of course, he wasn't there. But, you know, she runs up, heels and all, looking for him. And he's nowhere. And then Joker takes her and goes up to the church. And he just, like flips off a piece of the fucking plane off of his body like it was the fucking tin can and it's like I was here the whole time uh, but yes he follows her up uh, Joker ends up shooting acid at the bell causing the bell to fall down almost killing Batman there's a fight of course well there's many fights because Joker has some of his goons with him it's like a fucking video game where like he has to fight all the goons before he gets to the big boss And, like, all the little goon fights are, like, nothing compared to the actual big boss fight, of course, right? Like, it's just kind of like he's swatting flies away. And then when we finally get to him fucking meeting the Joker, you're just like, oh, thank God. Like, because their interactions are so good. Yeah, of course. Keaton and Nicholson. It is really good. And, like, Nicholson, of course... Just is having a blast. At one point, Batman punches him in the face. He throws down a piece of like fake teeth on the ground, and he's like, "They're ah. all bloody." Yeah, they're they're eating each other up in this scene. And then eventually, Bruce goes to throw Joker off the roof. Joker grabs both Batman and Vicky Vale, pulls them off the roof with him, and he's in there dancing, like mocking them, like, "Oh, you're gonna be left here, and I'm gonna get away on this helicopter that's coming." And Batman ties Joker to a gargoyle. And the helicopter can't rip the gargoyle away. And Joker eventually lets go and falls to his death. Yeah, they zoomed in on him at the very end. And they had like a little laugh track over him because he's got like a toy in his pocket. (laughs) And I'm like, is he going to like blink and he's going to be alive? But no, they didn't do that. But yeah, then Batman saves Vicky and they pull themselves up and they, you know they embrace it's very nice i do like that the fight scene like he confronts him about killing his parents too it's like really intense i thought he was gonna like 
try to kill kill him like strangle him or something and Vicky was gonna stop him like it was gonna be very uh you know old school Batman where he's like I can't kill anybody like that was gonna be the moment oh. where he decided he can't kill anybody well Batman kills a couple people in this fucking movie well I know but I'm saying like I thought this was gonna be the moment he like he's learned like, the lesson like you can't just kill the bad guys yeah. like that doesn't make you any better than them you know what I mean that yeah. kind of thing I, I feel like the no kill rule hadn't been fully established yet I think that comes in the 90s right okay well I mean, Batfleck kind of breaks that, right? Batfleck does kind of break that. He does run some people over with the bat cycle. I'm trying to think if Bale broke it. I feel like Bale kept it pretty much the whole time, right? I think Bale kept it. Because I remember Bale, it was like a thing. Like, Bale mentioned it, that he doesn't kill people. Yeah, I think... At some point. I think Bale pretty much keeps to it. Because I remember that was a big thing, because then when the Batman... Not the Batman trailer, because Ben Affleck never got a Batman movie, but... When, probably fucking Batman v Superman then, when that trailer came out and he was like kicking motherfuckers and like shooting motherfuckers, everyone was like, he's not supposed to kill people. Well, yeah, now because it's become basically like common knowledge now. But I think that, again, I think that wasn't established fully until like the 90s. Mm-hmm. So again, 89, we're fine with that. Because he does throw a guy off the bell tower and does kill Joker here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, again. I thought it was going to be a little more... A little more visceral simply because you know the guy killed his fucking parents and that's supposed to be like his whole reason for being batman because well, his parents got killed well it was it is a great conversation he goes where joker's like you created me and batman's like well you, you created, created me, me first yeah that was the cool line i liked that it ends with Alfred picks up Vicky Vale and goes, hey, Bruce is going to be a little late. And she goes, yeah, I expect uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I figured. And then the, the music swells and you see the bat signal in the sky because they created the bat signal now. And um, Batman's like standing on a roof, like looking out into the night. And it's it looks really cool and it's a great shot. And then that's the end. That's the end. That is Batman 89. That was really fun. I, I was worried that because sometimes when Scott shows me movies that are really popular, I tend to overhype them in my mind and I get disappointed. I feel like with this movie, I kept my expectations in check a little more because this isn't a perfect movie, I would say, but no. it, I really did have a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun with Michael Keaton's performance, even more so, I think, than Jack Nicholson's because I feel like Jack Nicholson's performance is Joker. I've heard so much about it and seen clips and stuff. It's to be expected, like, that he's Joker and he's acting crazy, right? Yeah. But I feel like Michael Keaton's performance, it's understated. Not underrated, because everybody talks how great Keaton is as Batman. But it's not, like, an overtly, like, you know, showy performance or anything. He's not going extra over the top with his Bruce Wayne-ness, and he's not going extra over the top with his Batman-ness. It's very believable and relatable. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Which is, I think, why I like it so much. Yeah, again. And I love Keaton and his little glasses. So cute. <laughs> My- Cutie. Michael Keaton does a great job. He is very much what I think every Batman after him has strived to be. To successes and failures but there's a reason why other than Kevin Conroy we always want to come back to Keaton and the thing is I don't think the studio had the faith in him to 
you know, what he became as Batman, you know? It would have been interesting maybe if the studio had more faith in him as an actor. Yeah, I'm mad that he didn't get a trilogy. Like, And that's so weird to say because, like, especially nowadays, like, everything has to be a franchise, right? Everything has to be a trilogy, even when it's not warranted. But I feel like this is warranted. I feel like watching Batman 89, then watching Batman Returns, it very much felt like a second chapter, Batman Returns. This felt like a first. That felt like a second. I wanted a third to, like, wrap it up. Not even necessarily wrap up Batman's tenure as Batman. Michael Keaton, I mean. But just, like, bookend, like, this chapter of his life where he's kind of, like, basically learning what it is to be Batman. And, like, end that era. I feel like he deserved a trilogy. He probably did. And he didn't get it, which is a bummer. Well, yeah, because they wanted to go more kid-friendly. They wanted to sell those toys. They did, and... You know what? They did. They sold the toys, but they got two mediocre movies because of it. I wouldn't say they're mediocre. They were good. Batman Forever and Batman Oh, I thought you meant these two. No, no, Batman and Batman Returns. No, uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Well, yeah, those are definitely mediocre. I mean, I haven't seen Forever, but just speaking purely on Batman and Robin, uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah at one point oh my god i didn't even bring in the beginning of the movie where like the two like fucking hoodlums are talking someone stole a wallet one of them and he pulls out a credit card and he's like i ah, can't leave home without it and i'm like do you think that's where they got the back credit card line from no I... <laughs> that credit card never leave the cave without it <laughs> fucking stupid so dumb oh uh, so good anyway yeah. this was really fun i'm glad we did this indeed fucking cinematic icon after cinematic icon indiana jones and batman back to back it's pretty cool scott what do you have this rated as um, batman 89 i personally have it as five of the five i love this movie i love keith and i love jack nicholson i think they play off each other so well the vicky vale romance is great alfred's great i think uh, yes are there things to nitpick of course there are it's a movie sure yeah but like it was still f- fucking fun to watch agreed i gave this a four out of five stars i really had fun uh, yeah i i ended up giving batman returns a three and a half because i just don't think it's as good as batman 89 it's not but still i really i really had fun with this i would watch this again for sure oh yeah in a heartbeat and if you want to watch it it's on HBO Max. Yes, it is. Along with, I think, pretty much like all, like, there's a lot of DC movies now, either on Max or on, I think Netflix also has DCEU movies now. I'm waiting for Aquaman 2 to come out on Netflix so I can watch the damn thing and be done with the DCEU. Because I've watched all the other DCEU movies, so I ha- I'm a completionist. I have to watch the last one. Yeah, I eventually have to get to Beetle. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah I watched Blue Beetle. <laughs> it's not good. Um, <laughs> shockingly, it's bad, but whatever. Yeah, so I I had a lot of fun watching this, just making me even more glad to be back for season five of Shoot the Flick. And next week, I'm going to be showing Scotty a movie that was uh, a pretty iconic in my adolescence, in my childhood. Pretty excited about it. Um, but until then, this has been Shoot the flick 
I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Wayne. Oh, no. Uh, I'm Frankie Vale. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio or pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our adolescent alternative movie adventure. I am the knight. I am not. Batman. Batman.